Good evening, universe. How are you? Have you sped up your speed playback yet? Well, you should, or you'll force me to talk slower. All right, I don't mean to mock myself, but I just finished listening to uh, the last episode, and while it's one thing to choose your uh, vocabulary with precision, it's another thing to just stall and talk slowly and not be on point, and so... We're going to really try to bring this episode into some level of communicative style that is uh, a little bit more uh, on the giddy-up, as well as uh, to stay on point with the ideas, because I have a list. First list of the year that we're going to call, I have an idea for what to call this year. How about the year that I probably try that chat GPT thing out? Now... I might not try it out, so it could be a different year. But for now, we'll just call it the year that I might try out ChatGPT. That's what this year is. Pause. Unpause. So, uh, of course, that uh, correctly uh, would have you deducing. I've never tried ChatGPT. Nope. Don't even know what it looks like. Have never seen the interface. Have never been interested. And, um, so the odds of me actually trying it this year, what would force me to chat GPT? I'm not going to have to write any book reports. I can't think of a single thing that will get me to interface with chat GPT. So what about calling this the year that I will probably still not interface with ChatGPT? That's a long way to have to say the year, though. All right, we're still working on what this year is. I thought I had it down, but now that I realize I'm probably never going to use ChatGPT at all, well, then that's a dumb reference point in time. So, um, speaking of dumb, well, I uh, certainly have been misspeaking. Uh, quite a bit lately, and saying things like, when Sinbad gave me a Pornhub prescription, which maybe in the 90s is what you did get, but um, thinking of a subscription model, as I was, the word prescription leaking out of my face, even at that moment I knew I had misspoken, I just couldn't quite get my tongue to untie enough to throw out subscription as a quick follow-up, but I don't have any uh, premeditated concept of what I'm going to speak on. Nothing I do is anything but me just tangenting to the next thought. Now, I do have a list tonight because I felt like I was letting that stream of consciousness shit get a little out of control. And I even had a list for the last recording for the end of year whatever factors but this is rare, and I'm only doing it this time to ensure that I don't um, that I don't overlook the um, the <laughs> the idiot's guide to these recordings that I think is critical at the beginning of a year, or as more people are looking at this thing, 
I just feel like there's a dialogue that needs to happen, and I need to be able to not have missed a couple of things that I should have said. So I brought a list this time. Now, that will be too constricting for anything I speak on in the next four or five episodes, so don't expect a list for a while. Because once I've listed up, well, I feel like the next one has to be free. So I believe in your brain's ability to elastically connect concepts of of um, of coordinated um, possibility and creative expression um, as much through its lack of structure as any imposed structure to try to harness it in a systematic approach. If I can explain that more elegantly, let me try. I think if you are taking yourself away from your thought process and not guiding it intentionally, but letting it happen, you get better results. It's riskier, and it certainly doesn't always pay off in the B- minus to B-plus range that structured, logical procession of thought usually produces. But I'll take the fluidity of exchange that I would otherwise be suppressing and the mistakes that come with it, like Sinbad giving me a prescription for porn. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't always say something where I just decide not to get into it because I think it's a little too deep. But as soon as I said drugs and I get along, maybe not you, maybe not you, maybe you, whatever I say in that little exchange, well, <laughs> I am I am having a migration of opinion about drug use at a time when I feel like my migration of opinion is being forced upon me by the recklessness of the pharmaceutical industry. And why we... The, the tiny slip of logic that gets us to this point is so coincidental and incidental that without it, I wonder if we avoid the entire epidemic. And that is the letter to whatever medical journal, I don't know if it was the American Medical Association or what, but there is a letter to the editor that is that states, while opioid use was being uh, investigated for potential expansion in the pain reduction market of outpatient care, not just for inpatient hospital care. Well, <clears throat> in the still limited uh, prescribed only in hospital model, a doctor with no ill intention whatsoever took a look at the opioid use versus opioid abuse statistics in his hospital for the uh, drugs that they were prescribing and found, uh, I believe, a less than 1% or at 1% addiction rate and thought, 
Well, there is a lot of uh, evidence here that our users are not turning into addicts. And this is just the general gist of the editorial sent in. Go seek it out if you want to know exactly what it said. But his identification of his own hospital's uh, addiction rate had nothing to do with sending people home with follow-up medication. It's one thing to take an opioid for post-surgery pain, but once you leave the hospital, you're dealing with it with Tylenol. And so what we have changed entirely since that letter to the editor was published is the model upon which we're willing to let those drugs go out the door. And the argument to let those drugs go out the door is basically that fucking letter to the editor, (laughs) which is this just big infinity loop of mislogic that lets you see how vulnerable we are to energy cycling and swirling a direction it wasn't intended to go. And maybe that's what's got me truly stalled here in the third day of the year. Is it the third? Yeah, it's the third. It's Wednesday. So if this year has a name so far for me, it is Frozen, um, Rusted, um, Seized, um, Immovable. I don't know why I am handicapped. Well, that's not a good choice of word. I don't know why I am paralyzed so far to take forward steps toward finding employment, but that needed to happen today and didn't. So that's starting to stress me out a little bit as money now is uh, running out. But that's the one thing the one challenge I knew this year would pose because it was looming from seven weeks ago. But now that it's in full crisis mode, of course, well, it's time to do something about it. But <clears throat> that um, that behavioral quirk, um, forgiven for one day, I can, I can atone. But like I said, I need to work, if not this week, next week. And if not next week, then there's really a problem starting to occur. So, what better to do than record a podcast? Because I could be applying for jobs right now, but that would suck. So let's do this instead. Um, What else do I have to apologize for? Oh, yeah. So I also was saying how you want to help somebody who's uh, got a slow leak tire change the tube instead of repair the tube. All right. I even uh, miss that in real time because I feel horrible that you would ever teach somebody a cumbersome process where a um, where a much less um, uh, rigorous or um, challenging process is available. Not that repairing a tube isn't almost the same challenge as changing the tube. It is but it's not a challenge to the environment like all those rubber tubes hanging around your house. So if you've got a slow leak, you should 100% be repairing that tube. And as a matter of fact, even if you have a devastating leak, 
you should look at your repair opportunity first. Before you discard any inner tube, you should always think, can it be repaired? Because the answer most likely is, yeah, yeah, it can. So once you have repaired a tube as many times as it's going to take, well then, obviously changing a bike tube for safety is an important variable as well, but should be your second option, not your first. <clears throat> All right, off the bike maintenance mistakes, over to... Oh yeah, I don't know why I just bring up numbers when they are completely made up. Like the numbers I brought up about trans, I have no idea what I'm talking about there. Except that there was only one clinic for the world until there wasn't. And then there were hundreds. So having seen these types of behaviors occur in other paradigms where all of a sudden something that was just very minor and on the outskirts of culture becomes suddenly relevant across an entire scene where it didn't have any presence whatsoever. Well, it looks coordinated. It looks like somebody was getting something ready for an outcome or inevitability they knew was on the horizon because responses like that are not organic. They are systems prepared and ready for execution being enacted. But that doesn't mean that I knew the numbers or any of that shit right. I just can see the, the exponential escalation for the naked emperor, it really is. So what the numbers are, I'm sure, back me up. But they're irrelevant in face of the real concern, which is people being abused by powers that have no have no humanity about them. The corporate structure of America does not give one shit about a human being at all. So, falling for their deception, well, there's no, there's no shame in being deceived by those the best in the universe at doing so. But, we have, we have to get to those pharmaceutical people. You got to stop doing what you're doing. All right. That's like fifth on my list, though. Unfortunately, that's how much shit's wrong in this world. Okay. So I haven't talked about my truth meter in a while, and I should talk about it because when I was speaking of gaining wisdom about this universe through the esoteric connection to a larger truth. A lot of this admittedly happening in my dreams, but not all of it. And when it doesn't happen in my dreams, it's the most persuasive and powerful. It's like it comes into your head from, <laughs> from the CIA implant thought gun. And, 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 oh fuck, that's such a good segue to not trusting anything. Um, maybe that's why I wrote that right there. Okay, so my truth meter goes off when I'm no when it, when it wants me to realize I'm I'm hearing something true, and uh, like the drop in male sperm rate is a hundred percent. That's for sure happening. The uh, the pyramid in the Giza plateau 
or at least the Sphinx, something down there is 400,000 plus years old. And 450 is the year back that I think it goes. There are many ways that I have just accepted that I know things because that truth meter has reinforced that it's true. The uh, germ medical problems, the vaccination uh, history in America and its ties to both the military and pharmaceutical and, um, and DuPont um, industries in this country. There's just, there's no end to how much shenanigan pulling is there to be found if you're willing to find it. Now, a lot of me is concerned that I'm being led into places that are intentional uh, traps of intellectual dishonesty to only reveal later that the fool has fallen for what only a fool can fall for. So nothing am I attached to as an absolute. Did Princess Diana die in a car crash of complete uh, disinterest to the royal family at large in that Paris tunnel? Maybe. Or did the queen have her knocked off? Maybe. I'm not open to either one being wrong or right until somebody can prove the truth. And having things instead come to me in almost what I can consider some sort of mathematical <laughs> derivation of accuracy in reality, well, I at least trust that more than I trust messaging from around me, which I know is completely filled with agenda-driven intent. And I don't know why I can now tell things are true from a vibration that my physical body gives me. But I haven't found it to be fallible yet. And until somebody can prove those pyramids were built in the last 5,000 years, I'm sticking to my estimate of 450,000. Uh, okay. Um, so how, do we, how can we know what's true? How, how can you even know that what you think you think is true is true? How are we verifying what we know? I, I, again, step back here and blame our reliance on digital information. It used to be that if you really wanted to know shit, you had to find people who knew stuff about that shit and then talk to them. And you could tell if you were facing somebody who was telling you information that at least they thought was true. Your energy interaction with other human beings is a vibrational hum that reinforces your comfort level with information transferring. When you feel a dissonant hum, well, the hair on the back of your neck stands up, and other bodily reactions tell you, be cautious. But no 
interface like that exists for digital information, nor does it exist for digital interfacing. You don't have the same energy aura, if you will, active to help you interpret the information flowing into your physical space. What you absorb as another digital piece of written word, well, just think of your text. How, how often does a text meaning get misinterpreted? It happens all the time. And so you're reinforcing an, <laughs> a distortion in your information gathering. And then because that has no interpretive um, energy to digest, you get uncomfortable face-to-face -face because you realize that now that is active. And so you are getting all kinds of signals that are verifying or validating or invalidating or questioning or whatever it may be, the dialogue of exchange between you and the universe. Well, that starts to feel overwhelming. You want to go back to that safe space where you can just do your research. But your research has no tangibility to speak to you about what's deceiving you. So, as much as you may think you've gained in what computer screen research you have presented that show the Anunnaki are not just the people who fused our second and third chromosome, but are still here in the caves of Afghanistan terrorizing our soldiers, well... I don't, I don't think you got that information from the librarian or a professor at the city college. So I'm assuming you've been reading the extrememysteries.com site or I don't know what else, look, feel, hear, think.com sites again that are likely just regurgitated information from the Massa Grandmothers group. I, I feel like if you're, if you're believing what you know because you know it from what you read online, well, you're standing on a sandy dune waiting to slide downhill into a complete fit of not knowing anything of what you know to be true or false. But interact face-to-face -face with people. Go out into the real world. Depend on what you can find out from your neighbors and community citizens. And you never have these questions. In fact, I think you even get more accurate with your discernment online as to what's a bot and what's real. And of course, stay out of environments like ufology that's just full of bullshit. Go read some uh, some historical documents of original source. Enjoy your mind interacting with somebody's writing from two centuries ago. 
see what translation you can make of concepts that were vital to a generation, five generations ago, to this generation today, and all the changes that have been made to bring us here. Move that mind in a way that gives you a whole new thought process so that you aren't just thinking the same thoughts from the same websites with the same logic pattern to drive you to the same conclusion to buy that same fucking thing on Amazon. But I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. Maybe this year I am here for that. No, I'm not. Because I don't want you telling me how to live my life. Well, tell me to go look for a job tomorrow if I haven't done that. I mean, well, I can't put that burden on you. That burden's on me. Come on, man. No more excuses. Right? Well, we'll see what tomorrow brings. Pause. Unpause. Well, look at that. We are almost 25 minutes into this thing. And I have not, that I know of, made a gratuitously sexist remark yet, nor have I had a dab. So I thought, well, let's knock both of those out in one uh, fell swoop here. So I forgot to mention how uh, clever I think the uh, Texas Longhorns uh, student body fan base that traveled to uh, Louisiana to watch them lose uh, to the Washington Huskies in what they call the Sugar Bowl. Well, I thought that the fans who like to take their shirts off and paint their chests, the boys that do that and then stand up in an order that spells a word like Texas, well, these boys thought, what if we have the crazy idea of making our boy X a girl X. Yeah! That's what they did. Now, why is that gratuitously sexist? Well, because they got so much TV time that next year, if you're painting your chest and going to the big game, you're finding yourself a woman that's willing to put on a nude top thing and paint it all up and show herself off to because that's the new standard that TV has set. So, hello next year. What will your ex look like? Pause. All right. <coughs> Whoa. Unpause. <coughs> Pause. Unpause. Okay. Um, uh, it's, of course, time for the uh, self-check of my own um, biases. <coughs> Obviously, I was... Um, Reducing the female in that previous um, uh, cultural sidebar to uh, the token member of the group um, who was strictly there to um, encourage uh, sideline camera boy to um, show them as the faniac uh, crazy fan that they were um, because this was borderline risque for especially network TV. Well... Okay, yeah, that, that's my bias. I agree. I, uh, I reduced the woman to token uh, inclusion because, well, my one example here, uh, clearly the boys had done the same. And so rather than uh, uh, failing to uh, recognize this transient moment of feminine empowerment, I will recognize it and say, okay, okay, I am wrong here. As soon as we see the all-female painted chest uh, fan group who, frankly, 
if they show up, I wonder if they'll show them more or the football game. It's a, it's a hard call. Like I could definitely see them missing a few plays because they were still showing the seven uh, topless Washington State natives who had painted huskies across their chest. Um, that will have me eating my words. And frankly, I mean, if I'd have just thought for 15 more seconds, I'd have realized, well, of course we're going to see that next season. And we'll probably see it next week. Pause. Unpause. Okay, so do I battle my own self-doubt here? Is that the the trajectory I should um, I should face this moment and uh, move uh, directionally toward one of correcting my uh, my mm, my tendency to see uh, women as token inclusions in men's hijinks? Well, um, okay. That bias uh, has been earned by watching men use women as token injections in their hijinks of du jour. So, did anything here change that? No, but what I realize is that even as women are fighting for some level of equality in the topless fan celebratory paradigm that they are currently sort of and mostly almost excluded from. Well, this breakthrough Texas fan and her her daring bearing of the X, well, okay. She's, she's a trendsetter. She's a ceiling breaker. She is the one who now shows women limits. Down here in Texas, we don't know what you're talking about. Unpause, I think. Shit. It looks like it. Fuck, I've probably been recording all those clunkety clunks. Um, and I apologize for all that shit, but my pause button sucks. So, okay, I'll get back to this. Let me finish, let me finish the X thought. Because, no, I don't hold myself in this situation as, uh, as having been revealed as biased and limited in my uh, diminished capacity to see this as an opportunity for women to fully embrace the sideline uh, shenanigans that right up until now men have truly dominated. Okay, okay. I am um, willing to say that I do sometimes think of cultural um, stigma or uh, standards or just what I grew up with. Um, I'm, I, I mean... Do I have a thing where I think topless women are still a subject of somewhat uh, conversational avoidance? Yeah, I kind of do. But if women want to be topless on TV, I certainly am not going to be the one to stop them. But see, here, I feel like I could be seen as possibly taking some level of satirical twist about on the entire concept, and I just don't want to look that clever, because I'm not. Pause. Unpause. So then, if we don't know what to trust, how do we get used to living in zones of grayness? Well, 
That sounds like we've accepted defeat to me. Where trust broke down is where accountability stopped being the standard. Nobody was held accountable for 9-11, except the people who met untimely deaths of unbelievable proportions through suicide or other means. But nobody else was held accountable. And most of the major players involved were promoted, recognized, shown some level of benefit for what to most historians a hundred years from now will be looked at as a major failure of our own defense and national security. But let's not look at the actual incident. Let's look at the people who, like, cleaned it up. Because how good were they? They had that shit out of there, like, the same night. I, um, I get that there might have been this sort of world stabilization threat to an investigation of that proportion. But it's the beginning of, well, I mean, Kennedy is whitewater. I mean, there's just, there's a limit to how much looking the other way the universe can tolerate. At some point, all that energy that has been pushed into a box and locked up by some woman named Pandora, well... It just, it, it, it can't maintain. There's no, there's no cork in a champagne bottle that matters if the bottom of the bottle breaks free and comes loose from the other side. And with the amount of pressure that all of this energy creates, well, the, the return to equilibrium is inevitable. And I don't sit here in some sort of a can't wait for that to go down so we can see all the comeuppance delivered to those who have done us wrongly. No. What I understand is if we allow this to track itself to the ultimate conclusion of showing the rest of us what happens to those of us who take advantage of us by destroying them in the public square... Well, we just start the same cycle all over again. And inevitably, we'll be tarring and feathering another group of ne'er-do-wells hundreds of years from now. But if we say that the human experience, as it's drawn up on this planet, in the insanity that it is currently overwhelmingly designed, well, if we wanted to just reset it entirely, while including all the players here simultaneously, as having a role in future game version 1.0, well then that breaks the cycle entirely. 
<clears throat> so that's why I say forgive everything. Forgive it all. Forgive everybody, everything they've done, and just expect of them to be the great version of themselves they can be, that they've had to shut down for all the shenanigan covering up they've been forced into. That's all free. If you'll just be what you were supposed to be the whole time you arrived here as you. I know that's um, really optimistic, but I really believe that human beings are that good until they're talked into believing that they're not. Okay, we're obviously not going to get into the stand-up over Mike Knight shit tonight. We might not even get into that this week. That's some stuff that I'm still sort of processing as I think about its place in this year. So I'm leaving that off the list. All right. Um, one of the things that I always used to think, and I think in America we're trained to think this way, is that I wanted something to really fix problems. Let's solve this. Let's knock this off the list. Let's get this in a condition where we no longer have to think about it because it is now established as functionally working for the rest of my life. And these plateaus that I imagined hopping onto, well, they just don't exist. There is a constant uphill tilt that you are battling to find an equilibrium that matters where your yourself and the universe is in harmony with that self in a way that your actions are now fulfilling the you that is here to be fulfilled. That may still include an uphill climb. Shit, I don't know what you're here to do. Maybe you're here to climb hills. But if you have figured that part out, then whatever's in front of you isn't um, isn't filled with with effort. It's filled with reward. And so to see how many people around me are pushing uphill with no idea why they're doing it. Well, I would say the only thing that makes sense to me is you're doing it because you can see that there's something up there that you're going to achieve to allow yourself less of an incline, more of a fulfillment trajectory. And then what I feel like I see are people who are like, fuck, man, all I'm hoping is that the next fucking hill isn't steeper than the one I'm on. Uh, yeah, I get that. But again, we've enabled a scenario where all you hope is that you don't make things worse tomorrow than they are right now. Because the idea of it getting worse than this, well, that may not be an... There may be a level at which that becomes intolerable. And so <clears throat> I think there's a, a huge group of people waiting for a big fix, like the next president elected will make this better. Or the next military incursion in a foreign country you've never heard of will fix our domestic issues. Or the next... CBS Wednesday night lineup 
will be so gratifying that it'll return your emotional stability. Or maybe none of that will happen. And so then what will fix the discordance that's in you? What will ensure that you don't have another more challenging incline to face next? Well, it's by making sure that that incline doesn't exist. And there is no quick fix coming for anything that's happening now. The only fix that will work is the one where you believe you deserve better. And if you can embrace that self, then we can engage a world where we're getting better than what exists for us now, which is what we've all collectively come to accept. Biden isn't president unless we let him get into that system and work it from within to leverage his way into a leadership position that nobody even wants him to run for again. And yet, none of us feel the power to stop that from happening. Do you realize the communal psychosis that that position is? So, rather than thinking there's no way to fix that, which in the next 11 months you are correct, work on ensuring that as this scenario plays itself out, your inclines are the ones that are yours, not the ones you can't do anything about, not the ones that will create more stress than you can handle, not the ones that will put challenges in front of you that you can't solve. What you can fix is that discordant feeling of detachment from your country that is welling up inside of you that you haven't admitted to anybody. It's time to start talking to the people around you about what you are not getting or being fulfilled with because this universe doesn't offer fulfilling paths that are even visible to be taken. If we don't believe we're deserving of better than what we have, we'll never have it. And if we allow forces to continue telling us that we're lucky that what we've got is what we've got, well, it's only going to get worse. <sighs> this is a good way to start the year. What the fuck am I talking about, man? All right, let's find something on this list that's upbeat. Sorry about all that. I'm really telling, I mean, I don't, I've, the fuck's this coming from? Honestly. Honestly. What ghost or spirit of domination and depression? Oh, maybe it's because I don't... No, that's not it. Hmm. All right, well, what's this list? Oh, hey, this is a good one. All right, listen. If you're still here, which I can't imagine that is even possible, but one of the uh, failures I did not address on my year-end list are the good interactions that this recording session has created, which means that those who are listening, yes, this would include whoever you are that I'm dialoguing to right now. Well, you've put up with my swearing, that's for sure. My thought derailments, my poor grammar, my misuse of language and vocabulary, my, um, what abuse? 
my um, something abuse. Um, my, oh, name usage as well as misusage. I do regret saying people's names, which I know I've said one this, ep- this recording. But um, I, uh, and when I misuse names, that's even worse. But using names is, is 49.51 here. These, these are both bad. But you've put up with all that. And hopefully I haven't used your name because that would be terrible. Um, And I believe that word is, oh, abusing the concept of irony. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't abuse it. I just misapply it. And that, well, I guess that's irony abuse. Um, I'm filled with contradictions. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing. As a matter of fact, I hope you're filled with contradictions too. If you aren't having conflict, internal conflict right now, then you can't be texturally involved in your current environment. It's just there there's too much there's too much pulling you for that to be true. But contradictions can be challenging without a voice here to hold me accountable. And so I know that I'll say one thing in a recording and two recordings later, contradict myself and never clarify. And that I will do better with. As I start to make statements um, of, of foundational uh, intent, well, I am going to uh, start being uh, a lot more uh, specific as to those statements repeating as exactly stated the first time. So I look to build on my world belief um, structure more so in these recordings this year than I have held myself accountable in the last two. But holding myself accountable in that way was just too much to ask. But this year it's not. Um, I am inclusive almost to a fault, meaning I, I understand why you wouldn't want to forgive it all. I certainly do. And this is with even only 10% of the malfeasance um, having been exposed. I can't even imagine what the worst of the worst is. But if we're not all inclusive about the human race, well, how much, how much retribution do you want to pin against it? How much public square example needs to be set? What does a society that sets the example of complete forgiveness jubilee look like in a hundred years? Is it coming apart at the seams? Maybe. But I'd be willing to take the chance, given the other things we've taken chances on. Okay, um, non-attributing. I want to be better at this. I do sometimes have a thought that I'm describing that I know I have picked up somewhere and I don't necessarily attribute that in real time. And that's something I will do going forward. Now, this isn't often because most of the times that I have a thought that I'm pulling from another spot, it's because I've intentionally decided to talk about it. So I attribute it in that way. But when I start riffing and start pulling in things like um, Middle Earth or Agartha theories, Um, I didn't necessarily come up with any of that shit on my own. So 
I will start to thank uh, Mr. Mythos or whoever else it may be that I have seen who has entertained me in a way that I am now leveraging as cooperative content. While I don't do this very often, but I certainly don't mean to ever do it unintentionally towards something that is, um, is in this universe considered someone else's intellectual property. Obviously not my own, because I don't have any. Okay, that's enough of that. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not ever going to allow myself more structure than this back of the envelope shit I've written down right here. Um, other than the potential inclusion of somebody else, which would necessitate more structure. But that not being something that I intend uh, with any kind of repetition, well then, I'm still going to uh, ask you to accept my structurally uh, um, limited approach. And I will work on the audio. I know the audio sucks, and I know there are people out there who that's all they care about. I'm not your podcast. I'm sorry, because I just can't, I can't be uh, doing this in a setting that includes a boom mic or anything else, or it won't be me. It'll be me playing radio guy. And that's just how it works for me. Now, can I graduate to a wider application of my own existence? Maybe. But it would only be because I thought there was value enough in moving from this recording uh, result to something else that I would force myself into that. And I know that you may hate the level of sound engineering and audio uh, return that I get, but I can live with it. So <clears throat> I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon. So I ask you to accept that. Now, do I have to ask you to accept my narcissism, my psychopathy, my savior complex or messiah complex, if you prefer the cliche of mass acceptance? But uh, I'm going to work on those. Like, I'm not really a psychopath because I do have way more emotion than I can possibly pretend to swallow and forever put off. So, and I don't have the sociopathic um, suite of, um, of dark side active personality traits. Though they are available to be called up, I just have uh, permanently put them into retirement. So I'm aware of my uh, fluctuation into those zones to believe that I avoid them, but narcissism? Oh, fuck, I don't know. How are you a white male American without some level of uh, um, clinical narcissism? Well, I don't think that I am one. I do believe that this is something that um, I still have room in which to um, realize my own ego inflation is um, judging or misjudging my experiences. And like I said, one of the things last year provided me was an opportunity to walk my ego back a pace or two that I didn't even realize it had overreached. And so as I listened to my congratulatory nature toward myself, well, I also have to r remind myself that this is now this, what, 732nd day that I've done this. 
This is the 438th, I think, episode. And I have put more of my true energy and self into this project than anything else I've done in my life. And so at this point, I need to start working to ensure all the variables that I am representing as me are really me. Because this isn't something that I'm going to quit in in month seven. This isn't something that I'm just fucking around with anymore. This is something that I actually have come to appreciate for its place in my life. So when I hear my narcissistic and messiah complex in full bloom, well, I don't really mean to represent myself that way. And I think some of what um, I get carried away with is that in being playful, I won't be misunderstood. And I'm not backing off my playful nature by any means, but I am going to ensure that I am clearly understood whenever I am being um, uh, wandering enough that um, my intentions and... um, and overall uh, target might not be realized for the um, spontaneous comedy that they are actually generating. All right, I have said way too much serious shit this time. None of it did I mean. So I will thank you for putting up with all that, especially the last 12 minutes of this. I'm not even going to re-listen to any of that. That is awful. But it's my uh, backhanded and front-handed and straight-handed and handshakeded way of saying anything involving your putting up with me, battling about myself in a way that gives you some level of value or return, I greatly appreciate. Your participation, stunning though I still find it, is very much welcome, and I am nothing but humbled by the idea that there's an audience that actually gives a shit about this at all. Because, like I said, you must be a special person and probably one I should never meet.